Thank you, ladies, for that beautiful song. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. We're glad you've joined us for worship today. Thank you for being here. I'll share with you this morning, Todd is unable to be here today. Um, Isaiah has tested positive for uh, the virus, and they're having to stay home today. So you just remember them in your prayers uh, in the days ahead and pray that they all uh, stay safe from that virus. And um, I, Todd called me after seven last night, and they had just found out, and uh, he said, um, are you okay to do something? I said, sure. I don't know what it would be, but, but sure, I'll be happy to do whatever, whatever needs to be done, and I'm happy to do that for him. And we do pray for them and pray that uh, they'll all stay safe from, from that virus, and we'll pray for Isaiah and pray that he gets well really soon. But we're glad you're here. Thank you for joining us for worship today. And as always, I pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him today. Today is Communion Sunday, and uh, we're uh, going to be celebrating that later in the service. I'm hoping all of you got your little, your little uh, communion packs as you came in. And there are two different layers. That top layer is real thin to get the bread out and then take the other off. Uh, and it's easy to splatter. I splattered on myself this morning with this up here. So during the service, I was doing this, trying to get it off. Uh, but yeah, you have to be really careful when you take that second layer off because of that. But like I say, we're glad you're here. Thank you. If you're visiting, we welcome you. And we do pray that you feel God's presence and uh, as we worship him, as we hear his word, and as we sing praises to him. But thanks again for being here. Stand and wave at those around you. And then we're going to join in together singing, Thou Art Worthy.
give our honor and our glory and our praise. And these are the days of Elijah. We invite you here to join, and those of you who joined by Facebook Live and live stream, we invite you to join as we worship him together. Out of Zion till salvation comes Behold 
Welcome to Forks. We are glad to worship with you this morning. We now enter a time of prayer and scripture reading. And as we enter this time, I'm reminded actually of a story that comes from Matthew chapter 8. It's the story of this leprous man who is known to be a social outcast. And as he's this outcast because of his skin disease, all these people are staying away from him and he comes before Jesus. And this is, this is what's so special here is that when he comes before Jesus, he said, Jesus, if you're willing, could you heal me? And Jesus, instead of saying, get away from me, I don't want that skin disease, says, I am willing. But not only does he say that, he heals him and he embraces the man. He touches the man and the man is healed. Listen, what's so beautiful about that is that in this time of prayer, that we can come to a God who is willing to hear us. And we can come to a God who is willing to answer our request according to his will. And so we have a God who is uh, still listening and who does still draw near to us when we draw near to him. And so would you take time with me uh, to enter into the Lord's presence and go to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence and your love and your truth. 
We thank you that when we come near to you, you're a God that's willing, that's not preoccupied with all these other things. But Lord, you hear our request. You see our needs. And so Lord, although the weather and the news and all these other things may be crazy, Lord, you're still good and you're still faithful. And so we thank you that we have this time to come before you and to thank you and to praise you and to honor you and to magnify you. May your spirit move mightily today. May you bless Bill as he brings the word. And may you get the glory through all that we say, all that we sing, and all that we do. Lord, we continue to trust in you. We continue to come before you and bring our need to you. And even when it doesn't make sense, God, we'll continue to press into your presence and believe that you are sovereign and believe that you work all things together for good. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to those that need healing in our community. We pray that you would bring restoration and unity for those who may be divided or families who may be divided. Lord, that your will would happen. Lord, we pray that you would bring rest and peace to those who have lost family members and loved ones during this time. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the anointing to be your hands and your feet in this time. Let us continue to be the light in this lost and dying world. And Lord, let us continue to find our strength and our joy in you. Lord, forgive us when we've gotten off track and forgive us when we've become distracted with things that don't matter. Lord, may we continue to look to you. May we continue to find life in you. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for this promise. And we thank you that we can have access to talk with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and believe these things. Everybody said, amen. This, this morning's scripture reading comes from Luke, chapter 22, dealing with communion and the Last Supper, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you.
the table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old, to share stories, to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. That reminds me so much of where I grew up and when I grew up. And I know many of you have heard this story. In fact, in October, I think when I spoke, it was on a communion Sunday, and I'm sharing some of the same things today that I shared then because I think it's a message that really is relevant to who we are and uh, to what we do and as we remember uh, when we take this supper together. But uh, as many of you know, I grew up in a very crowded home. Our home was um, shared by my parents, my four brothers, my three sisters, um, a first cousin that we, my mother and dad raised, and an elderly man who was homeless and did not have anywhere to live, and my mother and dad took him in. So needless to say, we always had a big crowd around the table at mealtime. Um, I remember the table was um, a long table with chairs on each end and chairs on one side and then a big long bench on the other side. Any of y'all ever have a big long bench at your table? I figured some of you did. But uh, we all got, in, got into that table and we were able to be together. And it was around that table that we had great conversation. Uh, we shared great meals. We laughed a lot. Uh, we cried together sometimes. We argued together, as most families uh, do it from time to time. And we played games around that table and we entertained guests around that table. My mother and dad were really uh, cognizant of having people in, and they loved to have the pastor and his wife in. They loved to have visiting missionaries come in. So we did a lot of things at that table, and mother always made sure there was enough food for everyone, or for anyone actually, who showed up, whether they were invited or not. She always had plenty of food left, and uh, no one was ever turned away. If you can imagine that we'd have food left with that many people around the table. But we always did, and she always had enough to, sh to share with anybody who would walk through the door. And everybody was welcome. Everybody was welcome. And it was there at that table is a place where we learned to be thankful. Uh, thankful for the bounty that God had given us and blessed us with. And uh, thankful for the blessing of family and the blessing of friendship and the blessing of community. 
And today, as we think about uh, taking this uh, Lord's Supper as gathering around this table in sort of a different way than what we're used to, but as we think about it, the meaning is still the same. As a church family, we gather around this table today to share together the bread and the cup in remembrance of what God has done through Jesus Christ for us. And this is the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room that evening during Passover. I want to talk a little bit about Passover. Passover is celebrated each year to remember the deliverance of Israel, God's people, from the hands of the Egyptians who have been in, um, who have been in captivity for 400 plus years. And this one event allowed the birth of the nation of Israel as they were led to the promised land. And prior to their freedom from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, uh, there was a final plague which would result in the death of the firstborn in each household. God protected the people of Israel by asking them to put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost and eat the Passover meal as the Lord had prescribed, thus allowing the angel of death to pass over them, sparing the deaths of their firstborn. It is important to note that God has always required the shedding of blood for the remissions of sin, for the remission of sins. Hebrews 9:22 says this, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or there is no remission for sins. And always it was offered a sacrificial, unblemished lamb that would be sacrificed as an altar. And the blood was used to protect God's people from harm in this particular situation. And the Egyptians suffered greatly because of their disobedience. And as a result, Pharaoh granted the Israelites their freedom. Now, the historical background for the Lord's Supper, it grew out of this feast of the unleavened bread, as we read in Exodus, as you can read in Exodus chapter 12, the lamb and the meal of unleavened bread became the abiding symbol of Israel's deliverance from bondage. And today, the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first, first fruits, if you've studied any of that, those all have been incorporated into one eight-day celebration of Passover. I don't want to go into too much detail about all of that this morning, but I kind of want to point out some of the parallels between Jesus' last day days and the celebration of the Passover because I think it's quite relevant to who we are today and what we are doing today. First of all, Jesus' entry into, into Jerusalem was on the back of a donkey, and it happened to be on the 10th, uh, 10th of the month on the Jewish calendar at the time when each Jewish family had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and they would be selecting a lamb for sacrifice. The lambs for sacrifice had to be unblemished. Exodus 12, 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. They were thoroughly inspected. These lambs were thoroughly inspected and put through the ringer so they would be sure that there were no blemishes on those lambs. And after Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, what happened with him? You remember what happened? Jesus was inspected. He was tested by all the authorities of the day, uh, both civil, both political and religious, and he was found to be without blemish. As one Roman official declared, I find no fault in him. We find that in Luke chapter 23. And Jesus shared the meal with his disciples on the first night of Passover when all the Jewish people were partaking of their Passover meal. 
Later that night, Jesus was betrayed and arrested, as we well know, and he was crucified and he died on the first day of Passover. While he was severely beaten, remember this, not a bone was broken in his, in his body, thus fulfilling prophecy. If you look back into Exodus chapter 12 and in Numbers chapter 9 and Psalms 34, 20, you will see that prophecy. There were these three prophecies in the Old Testament that, that specifically state that the Messiah that none of his bones would be broken. And in John 19:36, these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken so that our sacrificial lamb would be without blemish. By sharing the meal with disciples during Passover, he, came, he gave a new meaning to the Passover elements. Jesus made it personal. This is my body, which was broken for you. He made it personal. He was the only sinless, unleavened, unblemished, unleavened, sacrificial, perfect Lamb of God. Scripture says, and in the same way, he took the cup. And after they had eaten, he's saying, this cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. Now, his disciples certainly would have been familiar with that term, new covenant because they had been grounded in the scripture. Jesus had taught them and they knew the scripture. In Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That was the new covenant, and the, certain, the disciples certainly understood what he was talking about. So that kind of gives you just a little bit of a background as to how we came to celebrating the Lord's Supper and partaking in the Lord's Supper and doing it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. But I want to talk just a few minutes about what he was trying to teach the disciples that night. First of all, I believe he was trying to teach them the importance of being thankful. Jesus took the bread and the cup, and what did he do? He gave thanks. And as we gather to celebrate this supper, let us consider what being thankful does for us. I believe it brings out the best in all of us. Humility, generosity, kindness, patience, and love. And it reminds us to count our blessings. We think about that. It reminds us to count our blessings. And it helps us carry our burdens. And it helps us be more faithful stewards of what God has given us. We must always choose thankfulness. I know many times when I'm counseling with people, I talk about that. You need to get to a place to where you're thankful. Why don't you write a list of the things you are thankful for? Because when you begin to concentrate on the things that you're thankful for, then your heart can begin to heal. I've experienced that in my own life. Your heart can begin to heal once you get to that place where you're truly thankful for what God has done. It is in being thankful that we become the victor and not the victim. A lot of times we feel like we're the victim, but we can become a victor when we reach that point to where we're thankful. And it implies that no one is to be excluded. No one is to be excluded from this table. I've always believed that the table of the Lord was big enough for everyone. And I believe today that it is my job and I believe it is your job to enlarge that table by sharing the message of love and forgiveness that we have been given so that others may come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
and come and partake at this table. At this table, we find encouragement, we find support, and we support for our journey of faith, actually. And it is here that we realize how much we have to be thankful for. And it is a reminder that the world cannot take our joy. The world can't take our joy unless we allow them to. The world cannot take our joy, and the world cannot take our voice with which we use to express our gratitude to God. The world can't take that unless we give them permission to. Suffice it to say, the more grateful we are, we are the more precious life becomes to us. Secondly, today, I believe that Jesus was teaching the disciples the importance of being a servant. What does it mean to be a servant? In the account of the Lord's Supper in John chapter 13, Jesus was teaching the disciples the deeper understanding of being servants. What did he do? He washed their feet. He wanted to wash their feet. And what did, how did Peter react to that? Remember, Peter just, he kind of uh, thought it was something that disciples certainly should not be doing, and Jesus certainly should not be doing it. It was too lowly of a task for any of them to do. So what did Jesus say to him? He said, if you won't allow me to wash your feet, then you cannot be part of me. And to me, that means that if you're not willing to get in the trenches in my name, then you don't understand what it is to follow me. He kind of scolded Peter a little bit in a gentle way. So when Peter realized what Jesus was saying, what did he do? He overreacted. He overreacted by suggesting that Jesus wash his head, wash his hands, and practically his whole body. And Jesus, who was being very patient with Peter, gently reminded him that a person who has had a bath only needs to have his dirty feet washed. And that's what Jesus wanted to do, is to wash the feet of them, to show what it means to be a servant. There was no need to wash what was already clean, and Peter finally understood that. Also, Jesus was teaching Peter and the disciples that part of serving was allowing others to serve so as not to rob them of the blessings that come from being a servant to others. And it is of equal importance to allow others to serve you as well. That's a tough one. I've struggled with that one myself from time to time. I feel like I'm the one that needs to serve. I don't need to be served. But sometimes we need to step back and let God work through someone else to serve us and to bless us, bless them as well. I'm sure in the upper room that night, Jesus had a whole lot more to think about uh, than, and he had a whole lot more on his mind than this, but he could have easily focused on himself and distracted by what was going to happen to him. After all, he knew Judas was going to betray him because scripture says that Jesus said, all are not clean around this table. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew he would be arrested. He knew that Peter would deny him, and he knew he would be tried and crucified. There were a lot of things he could have had on his mind that night. Instead, what did he do? He focused on the needs of his disciples and he, uh, and teaching them basically how to be his presence in the world. He was no longer going to be present physically in the world and he was going to ascend to his father and he wanted them to know what it meant to be his presence in the world. So the celebration of the Lord's Supper teaches us the importance of having the right attitude and serving others with humility and being Jesus' presence in the world. And that's why we need to examine ourselves before we take this meal together to confess our sins and to have a pure heart before God. 
Lastly today, I think Jesus wanted his disciples to understand the depth of his love for them. He wanted them to know how much he loved them, a love that is so deep that he was willing to give his life to save them and us and to make a way for all of us, his servants, to be in a right relationship with him. He has asked us to, today to do this in remembrance of him and to remember the Lord's death until his coming. And I believe that his coming is near. It's important that we as watchmen proclaim the message of his love and his grace to all who will listen so that they will be ready when that day comes, when he comes back to receive us. And you can rest assured that he is coming again and we will be caught up with him uh, to enjoy the everlasting life in a place that he has prepared for us. Jesus came to give life. He came to give life and he came to, to give more abundantly. And that abundant life begins the moment you accept him as your Savior and Lord. And it, and it just gets better after that. John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider himself equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, ne we must never, ever forget his great love for us. And we need to help others understand that great love that he has for them and help them understand how much he wants to be in that relationship with them. Paul said in, in Ephesians 3, uh, verses 17 and 19, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I'm sure as you think about it today, there are other lessons that you can glean from what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples as they gathered around that table that night. And these are just a few that came to my mind when I was thinking about it. And he wants us to realize that it is our responsibility to be his presence in the world and to share the hope that he brings and to share the hope of his coming. Remember, I think it's in Revelations, it says, comfort one another with these words. And I think we comfort one another knowing that we have that hope and that he will come and he will receive us unto himself again. And by being filled with the measure of the fullness of God, we understand the depth of his love and we can truly become his presence in the world. It is through us, all of us, his disciples, that others can learn of the depth of his love and know the depth of his desire to love them. We are to share that love. Sometimes it's not easy. It's easier to trade love with those that we like and with our families. But what about those who are hard to love? It's not so easy sometimes, is it? 
We can trade love all day long. We can trade love with the people that we love and the people that we know and the people we love being around. But what about those that are hard to love? I'll be honest with you, I, I struggle with it at times, and I would say that most of us do. We struggle with that. However, in the end, I know that I must love and I must forgive in order for my heart to be in a right relationship with God. And that's the ultimate goal, is to be in a right relationship with God. On this Valentine's Day today, we celebrate love. And what better way to celebrate than to share the God, love of God with someone? There's a beautiful story about love and forgiveness, certainly, that I want to share with you as I close today. And, and uh, it, I think some of you may remember me sharing this before. It was a beautiful day in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in an October day of 2006. A lone gunman by the name of Charles Carl Roberts IV stepped into a one-room Amish school and he opened fire. Five little girls were killed that day and five more were injured. And as you would expect, the attention of the entire country was focused upon this tragedy at the Nickel Mines School and these quiet, humble folk in the Bark Township of Lancaster County. They taught us a lot that week about the radical nature of Christian love. On the evening of the shooting, family members of the slain children visited the parents of the shooter, Carl Roberts, and they told them they had forgiven their son. They knew that the Roberts family was grieving as well, and they wanted to offer their help with their grief. And that was such a gracious response to such a devastating disaster. And as God's children, our response should always be forgiveness. God's love offers forgiveness to us, and he helps us to forgive as freely as he has forgiven us. These are the things, as I think about the table today, these are the things, some of the things that I take away from it. What about you? What do you take away from gathering around this table today? I know one thing, when you're thankful, you can understand and know how high and how wide and how long and how deep his love is for you by choosing to give your life to him and living a life in his watch care and love. And as we think about these things today, join me as we pray. Father, you made such a great sacrifice for us just so we could have a relationship with you. We deserve nothing that we've been given. We deserve nothing that you have blessed us with. But Father, we're, we're thankful. And every day of our life, we're thankful. And it can never be enough to thank you for what you have done for us. And as we gather around this table today, we remember your great sacrifice. And I pray that you would help us have a better understanding of what it is to be thankful, what it is to be a servant, and what it is to know the depth of your love for us. In the quietness of this moment, Father, will work in our hearts. Forgive us 
for those things that we need to be forgiven for today. And help us to work every day to be kinder, to be more gracious, to be more gentle, to be more forgiving, to be more understanding. And we know that can happen through you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the love that we all share together. And I pray that uh, you would keep everybody safe this week. And as we um, gather around this table this morning, Father, we just remember you and remember um, who you are in our lives and what you have done and what you have sacrificed. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together. And if God has moved in your heart in any way and you want to come forward, I will meet you down here. You can sit on the front pew and, and we'll talk. Uh, even if we need to after the service, I'll be happy to do that. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation, and then we're going to gather around the table. So why don't you stand and join as we sing together, beautifully living for Jesus.
thank you and you may be seated. Take a few minutes in personal meditation before we share this meal together today. The Bible said, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, as we prepare to take this bread, we do remember you and we do remember your sacrifice. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. He gave them the bread and they took it and they ate it. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Drink ye all of it. And then when they finished, they sang a hymn and went out. I invite you to stand and join as we sing together. Blessed be the tide that binds. Again, thank you for joining us today. And uh, I remind you again to remember Todd and his family in your prayers, especially Isaiah at this time, and uh, all the others who are dealing with um, sickness or dealing with a death in their family. We pray uh, for them and pray that they will feel God's presence in a very special way. I remind you Wednesday night will be our virtual prayer meeting, and then we'll gather back together next Sunday. Hope to see you then. Thank you for joining us, and God bless you. You are dismissed.